Um, So this morning we're going to talk about everyone's uh, favorite subject, stewardship. How we handle our finances, our jobs, our time, and our stuff. So the passage this afternoon will be Luke 16, 1 through 15. So many of you in this room are in school or you have a job. And if you're in school, it's to get a job. So you'll have money and that money will buy you stuff. We like our stuff. But life doesn't end when we get a job. We must work the job. Life doesn't end when we clock out in the afternoon. There's additional time to manage and spend doing something. And all of this is Jesus' topic today as we are seeking, as he is seeking to teach us about the stewardship of, our, uh, of the resources we have, our money, our time, and our stuff. If you'll turn with me to Luke um, 16, 1 through 8 and read along with me. Now he was also saying to the to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you, ha- uh, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I am ashamed to beg. You know, I, I know what I'll do. So that when I am removed from the management, uh, people will welcome me into their homes. And so he summoned each one of the master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said, Take your bill, and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. And, in the, and Jesus here uh, interjects this at the end of this particular passage. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. So what has happened? As you were probably following along, it makes sense until you come to the end. I heard many of you saying this. That the ending does not make sense with the rest of it. And so let's make sure we understand what, uh, what is going on here. So what has happened? The manager has managed Poorly. This is a man that has been given in charge of an estate or a sum of money or a business, and he has not done well with that business. It has got him back to uh, the rich man, and he comes and asks him to give an account, and that account leaves him wanting. He is going to be fired. The manager then recognizes that this is very bad for him since he is fit for nothing else, since by his own account he is not fit for manual labor, and he is too proud to beg for money. And so he decides to do right by the debtors of his master, and thereby hopefully ingratiating himself to them or finding favor with them. So because he can't work, because there's nothing to do, he needs to do something to the debtors that maybe they would take him in. Now before he meets with his boss again, the soon-to-be-fired manager goes to the debtors of his bosses and takes his fee off the bill. And has them change what they owe his boss. What, uh, what has most likely happened, as was, the cast, as was the case with tax collectors during this time period, was that when the payment was due for goods or services rendered, the manager or tax collector made a bill of more than was actually due. And that was his payment. That was the manager's payment. That was the tax collector's payment. No one knew how much the actual amount was and how much the manager was pocketing. This was common practice during the time. 
the debtors of the boss then would have found the lowered bill very exciting, right? And many, uh, and may have known that the manager was foregoing his fee, and this would have ingratiated him, given him favor to them, that they may have helped him out. So much like you, if you go and build a house, let's say the house costs $200,000, right? And the labor fee for that was $50,000. And say, uh, said contractor came to you and said, hey, I'm going to forego my fee. The house only costs now $150,000. This person would be your best friend. <laughs> this is what is going on here in this particular story. That he has decided because of, the mis- because of the mistake that he has made and he's held accountable for that mistake, he then goes and makes, uh, stops making unwise choices and for the first time makes a wise choice. That he needs to then go and find favor with those that can help him. The boss recognized that he had done this. The person that had made mistake after mistake, the person that had acted wisely over and over again, even as he was no longer in his employment, he wanted to encourage him and say, finally, you have acted wisely. You have understood what your position was, you have understood what was at stake, and you, uh, for the first time, have chosen as you should have. It's at this point that Jesus comments that those that follow the ethos of the world are smarter in dealing with others of the world than Christians are when dealing with one another. And here's the teaching moment that we'll uh, expound upon uh, this afternoon. Jesus tells the story that implies that believers need to take into account all the many factors at play in their circumstances and their situation and to act wisely in the use of their resources. Jesus follows the above with some additional teaching in verse 9. And I say to you, make friends of the, uh, for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. See, it's at this point that we also need to be shrewd in being stewards of our resources according to God's plan for it. And so like the manager, we need to understand what our situation is. Have any of you ever been fired from a job? Okay, just raise the hand in your heart, right? We don't want anybody to have a blemish on our resume. There we go, brave man. Well, I uh, have been fired from a job. And fun fact, I've actually been fired from a job in this very building when I was 18 years old. I used to work for the YMCA during the summer between my junior, uh, junior and senior year of high school and between my uh, senior year and um, freshman year of college. Was it justified? Doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it's that day that I learned that there are consequences for your actions. So many times we do things and we don't get uh, kind of slapped on our wrist because of it. We just kind of scoot by. We, something doesn't happen. Well, that day I was held to account. Poor stewardship of responsibility, time and stuff has consequences. And at that point in my life, I didn't think it really did. And that hard lesson was a reality that I had to deal with. And this is where we come in with the managers, the harsh reality of him being fired, not being able to do anything. What am I going to do about this? And this was helpful to me, and I think it was helpful to the manager in the story. 
Because the truth of what we are talking about today was made real in my life. There was no escaping it. I was fired. They said, you know what? I know you've been coming in and we've been paying you. We're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> Would you please stop? <laughs> that is a humbling, humbling thing if you've, if you've never experienced that. I don't recommend it. But as we look at the next six verses, I want you to take note of three things. And this is what I want you to pay attention to this morning. The first thing is, is that stewardship with our resources is about being shrewd or smart, wise or prudent. Stewardship with our resources is about being shrewd, which is smart, wise, or prudent. Let's look again at uh, 16 uh, verse 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. Jesus repeats to us what we should do. And this is what the manager in the story does wisely. What he hadn't been doing, he starts doing, thinking about his situation, all of the things that he needs to, and makes a smarter decision, which we'll look at in just a second. See, there's typically a reality that exists that is a struggle for us that we act like does not exist. And it is this, that our resources are not our own. We think of our stuff as our own. I think of my stuff as my own and I treat it differently. You think of your stuff as your own and you treat it differently. It is mine to manipulate. It owes me things. It can do stuff for me that is self-serving. But our stuff is not our own. And it's up to this point in human history, right, that man has not been able to make something out of nothing, not one time. And so what we have then is contrived, I meaning it has gotten from something else. And, in, and, uh, and our stuff then is given by someone else or uh, God or gotten from something else, what God has made. And so uh, C.S. Lewis actually makes a really helpful comment about this, about our stuff. Listen to this. He says, we produce this sense of ownership not only by pride but by confusion. So we are taught not to notice the different senses of the possessive pronoun, the finely graded differences that run from my boots, through my dog, my servant, my wife, my master, my father, my country, my God. We can be taught to reduce all these senses to that of my boots, the my of ownership. And at the under end of the scale, we, are taught, uh, have, we have taught people to say, my God. In a sense, it's not really very different from my boots. And all the time, the joke is that the word mine in its full possessive sense cannot be uttered by a human being about anything. In the long run, either our father or the enemy will say mine of each thing that exists, and especially of each man. They will find out in the end, never fear, to whom their time, their souls, and their bodies really belong. The reality is, is that you do not own anything that you have, and the reason we know this is that when you die, where does your stuff go? To someone else. And if it goes to someone else, then it wasn't yours, not really. Nor is it theirs because it'll go to someone after them. And this reality is a hard one for us. Shrewdness then, or, or wisdom then, as it relates to our stuff, is about being smart and understanding the reality that our stuff is not our own. 
And so this is where verse 9 comes in. What Jesus is saying is, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it inevitably fails, and when you die, and you don't get to take it with you, that God will receive you into His eternal dwelling. Because our resources and what we do with it matters. Because it shows where our heart is and where our treasure is. Jesus is saying that if you have resources, it would be wise of you to bless those who are needy. And so, so fulfill the law of Christ as it, uh, as it says in Galatians 6.2. We are to bear one another's burdens, and those burdens are not just emotional ones. So that if you have something to give and know someone that needs, then you should provide for them. This is wise because when your resources are no longer yours, that you will be received in God's kingdom because you have invested in that kingdom, because you are part of that kingdom, and you are doing kingdom things with your resources. You are investing in a kingdom that is imperishable and not your own, which is perishable. And so here's Jesus puts the exhortation into the form that we saw from the story. And so the first thing, again, is stewardship with our resources about being shrewd, smart, or prudent. Number two, stewardship with our resources about being responsible and about being faithful. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. The question I need to ask myself is, what does it mean for me to be responsible or faithful in any given situation? See, there are those of us that are in all sorts of uh, situations as it regards uh, school, timing, And all these different resources and all this stuff can be used responsibly and faithfully according to God. And so here Jesus is teaching us the law of faithfulness. And here it is. Here's the law of faithfulness. Faithful with a little, faithful with a lot, unfaithful with a little, unfaithful with a lot. See, when we are young, and I'll speak for myself, that I didn't often think that the little things mattered. That it's not that big a deal if I'm late consistently. That, uh, that I can do this from time to time, whatever this is for you. That I can't be counted on, or when I say something, it doesn't really matter if I don't follow through. Right? We've all probably struggled with that at some point. And we think the little things don't matter, and that someday somebody will give me a bunch of responsibility. Just because. That's what I thought. Doesn't matter. Just at some point, they'll be like, hey, come over here. Here's some stuff that's worth doing. Would you give responsibility of something that mattered to you to someone who was unfaithful, irresponsible, or incompetent? I would dare say no, right? <laughs> so then why do we think that people will give us responsibility of resources when we haven't proven ourselves to be responsible, responsive, Responsible and faithful. See, we are not generally faithful, trustworthy, loyal, transaction to transaction, are we? Friend to friend, are we? Like, I'm faithful with this friend, not faithful with this one. Or even day to day that I'm going to be faithful on Tuesday, but Wednesday I'm going to let everything slide. We're typically either faithful, trustworthy, or loyal in everything or nothing. You find a way to be there consistently. You keep confidence consistently. You are above reproach consistently, or you are 
not. Many of us need to grow in this area. If you need to grow in being faithful and responsible with your resource, then you need to recognize that you need to understand and respond to this law of faithfulness. If you want to be useful to the Father, faithful with little, faithful with a lot, unfaithful with little, unfaithful with a lot. As Peter, Peter spoke of this use uh, fullness in 2 Peter chapter 1. If you actually would turn there, if this is not um, a passage you're familiar with, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll look in verse 3 real quick as it talks about usefulness. And so it says, Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these, speaking of His Spirit and His truth, He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, now for this very reason, applying all diligence, intentionality to your faith, and in your faith supply moral excellence. Or goodness, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self control, in your self control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from sin. This is what it means to be responsible and faithful in God's kingdom, to be the type of person that God can count on. It is one of the reasons for our true knowledge. And so if, if that is us, we need to understand to be being responsible and faithful is something we must be intentional about. Being responsible and faithful is something that we must learn to do. And being responsible and faithful is something that must be practiced. If you are responsible and faithful with your resources, then chances are you're being intentional about it, have learned how to do it, and have practiced it. And if those are not things, then you probably haven't. He continues teaching in verse 11, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, then who will entrust the true riches to you? Here is the application of, I can't trust you with resources that aren't really yours. Then how can I trust you with resources that are mine, true riches, eternal things. Be responsible and faithful with what you currently have and prove yourself worthy to handle kingdom things. He wants us to do right with our stuff, with our resources, not... It's not, uh, not spending it wisely on material things. This is like, well, I'll just make sure that I get a good return and that I have money in the bank, right? That it's kind of this neutral setting that I'm in. But really when he means doing right with it, he means doing good for the kingdom, using it for his purposes and not just generally my own where it's not too much of a bad thing or something like that. So then how can I use the job I have or the time that I'm in class were time outside of that, or my stuff, to benefit others? Is that a question that we really even asked? Because it's not about the money and the stuff. But, but it is, isn't it? Because it shows what our faith is in. Are money and possessions a tool for you, or do they make you a tool? Right, this is a word that maybe y'all don't use anymore. It was... Uh, 
it was something that uh, we would use often, and it, and it was descriptive of someone that really didn't know what was going on, that the joke was on them. Our resources, are we using our resources as a tool? Or do they make you one? Because when they make you one, you don't understand that the stuff is not your own. And that it's supposed to be used for other people's purposes, not just to make you happy. So lastly, in verse 12, as he's keeping on the same vein, he says this, If you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? If your resources are not yours, really, and if you can't use what is not yours wisely, then who will give you anything that matters? As we've talked about stewardship with our resources being about being shrewd, smart, or wise, stewardship with our resources is about being responsible and faithful, and lastly, stewardship with our resources is about who we serve. Look here at verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. We have seen the law of faithfulness, right? Faithful with a little, faithful with a lot. Unfaithful with a little, unfaithful with a lot. But this is the law of the master. No one can serve two masters at the same time. More specifically, you cannot serve God and wealth simultaneously. Right? To serve God is to be on his agenda for his purposes, be loyal to his commands. To serve wealth is to acquire it so that it, it may give you comfort, protection, and hope for now and in the future. So our stuff can do the same thing, can it? We serve our stuff if we acquire it to give us comfort, protection, and hope for the future. There's a way in which my phone, my computer, my headphones even, right, can give me comfort and hope for the future, for the future and God is supposed to be these things for you. How does our stuff do that? It makes us dependent on it. Right, when we are dependent on our stuff and it has moved from just a neutral thing to in the place of God. If I don't have that thing, can't do that thing, go to that place, I can't function. Right, I don't have my headphones, I don't have my phone, I don't have my music, I don't have my drink, I don't have my streaming service, I don't have my social media, on and on and whatever it is that I count as mine, I can't function. But what if, what if God were taken away from you? How well would you function? If we went on vacation, if this was even possible, <laughs> if you went on vacation for two weeks and said, hey, you're on your own, Would you notice? There was, my time, there was a time in my life as a Christian where if someone were to ask me that, I think it would have been okay. I'm fine, you know. <laughs> Two weeks, no big deal. I probably don't need anything. But not now. I would be completely lost if God took a vacation from my life. This is, Lord has taught me to be dependent on him and is a better way of living. As I am dependent, as I am independent from him, I, all my stuff becomes so much, more, uh, so much more of a part of my life. I need it to survive. I need it to get through the day. 
I am dependent on it because I am not on him. And so I'm looking for stuff. Let's end here. Look at verse 14 and 15. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and they were scoffing. And he said to them, you are those, and Jesus replies, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. To the Pharisees, he he was saying, and they were saying, we like our resources. I like them to be at my disposal. I like to do what them Uh, with them what I will. Even as I don't have many right now, I'm actually looking forward to the time when I I can have full control over what that which God gives me. Proverbs 21 2 says, every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. As we come here, I want to give you kind of three additional thoughts about how we move from being a possible unrighteous steward to a righteous one. Or if we have, or if we are a righteous steward about being more so, how we can continue on that path. And so here's the three things. It comes from Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. So here are the questions. Am I doing justice with my resources, my money, my time, and my possessions? Are there people that need things that I have access to that I could help? Am I making things right through the use of my time, my money, and my stuff? Number two, am I being kind with my resources, my money, my time, and my stuff? So being kind is the quality of being friendly, considerate, and generous. Am I being friendly, with my resources? Am I being considerate with my resources? Am I being generous with my resources? It is because of God's loving kindness that we have anything in this world. When I do justice with my resources, then it means that those things are not the source of hope, comfort, and joy that I have made them out to be in the past. That they are just things to me just like anything else. If I can be kind with my money and my stuff, then it is a tool that I can use for the betterment of others to meet the needs that they have, and I'm showing where my true treasure lies. And then lastly, am I walking humbly with God with my resources? Am I letting God dictate what I do with what he has given me? Am I putting myself in the place of judge of my estate and the things that I have? These are three really good questions for you to ask yourself. Because, again, most of the time we are not, uh, this is not something that we see the gospel infringing upon. He infringes in my heart. He infringes maybe on the things I do, but not my stuff. I give him my 10% maybe, and then the rest is kind of fun, fun money, fun stuff. And it is here that, that, that Jesus is teaching us that you're misunderstanding your, your circumstance, you're misunderstanding whose resources those are. If I'm not using my money and my stuff for God's purposes, then what good is it to anyone but me? 
if you remember this, years ago, they had these no fear t-shirts, right? And it would have such catchy phrases as, who who dies with the most stuff wins, right? And so we laughed and we think that's funny. And it is. But it's, it's really only funny if we actually believe that. See, loving my neighbor is all, it's almost, uh, loving my neighbor is almost always uh, beginning with my money and my stuff. Right? I sin with my whole being <laughs> and all our possessions. And we can love with all of it too. He saved you that, so that everything about you could be used in his service. There's no such thing as stuff that is neutral to God. It is being used in the service of his or it is lost to him. People can be lost to him, as Renee talked about last week, and so can our resources that he has given us. If God exists and he has given us good things, then he deserves the use of it. So many times we think about our stuff as like, you know, it's mine, but it's back here just in case he might look upon it and ask us to use it, right? I don't have anything over here. Don't worry about what I got behind my back or in my pocket. Don't worry about me, guys. That other guy, he's got stuff. He's super generous. Ask him to give it or use it. We need to, again, give him access to what is rightfully his. We need to pull it from behind our backs Right, open up our hands from having clenched fists and give open-handedly. God, if you need it, it is yours. God, as we seek to honor you with our lives, may that include my stuff. We thank you, Father, for seeking to teach us about stewardship. That stewardship with our resources is about being shrewd, smart, or wise. Stewardship with our resources is about being responsible and faithful. And finally, stewardship with our resources is about who we serve. Let's pray. Father, I know as, um, as we come in, you know, this is, uh, this is tough for us because, Lord, can't, can't you let me have anything? Just, you know, I'll give you my time occasionally as I study your word or as I go to meet with other believers or as I reach out to somebody, Father, but not, not my stuff. That's mine. Like when it's me time, I, I get to do uh, what I want. My time is my own. My money is my own. The things I have are my own. How, how dare you ask for those things too? But Father, I pray that you would soften our heart and that you would teach us that this attitude is wrong that you have taught me that, Father. That the things I have, I have accumulated are not mine, are a gift from you. And if they're a gift from you, then they can be a gift for someone else, and so I need to be aware. Lord, teach me to be aware of those around me, about how the things that I have can benefit them, so that I'm not the only recipient. Thank you, Father, for this time, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.